So today we're servicing, and I'll have to depend on Kayla for numbers, but over, if I'm correct, over 500 customers, we work every every avenue, every setting from K-12, post-secondary uh, employment, theater, anywhere there's a need for two individuals having a conversation and need access to language, we provide services for them in whatever language they need. We currently run about 190 languages, not all out of our own office, but through collaboration and, and um, partnerships, we're able to offer more than what we could provide on our own. We also provide document translation and transcription services. We kind of look at Hands Up as a total communication access point. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, the founder and your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help early stage entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Each episode will provide actionable strategies and tactics. The voice you heard a few minutes ago is that of Sue Tyrell. Sue is the founder and CEO of Hands Up Communications. Hands Up is a single point of contact for language access needs. They offer a mixture of interpreting, translating, and captioning solutions. Kayla Leeby, who is the chief experience officer of Hands Up, also joins us on the program. Sue shares her fascinating journey and how a failed merger led to the partnership with Kayla and how that allowed Hands Up to flourish. On this episode, we discuss why the keys to success are having a very solid executive team, the pros and cons of strategic partnerships and mergers and what to look for, why dissolving the merger was a better path to growth for Hands Up, how complementary skill set allowed Hands Up to flourish, and warning signs that a potential partnership may not be the right fit for you and your business. Before I take you to the intro, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast in iTunes and other podcast platforms so we continue to help other entrepreneurs. Also, please make sure to check out the new free resource page at brettrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads, promos, and to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. So August 26, 2009 was our first job. Okay, fantastic. Um, We incorporated uh, January 1st of 2010. At the time, I had already ran a couple other organizations who were providing interpreting services. They were either closing or their business models were extremely bad to the point some of their resources were coming to me and saying, we need to do something differently. Other LSPs or language service providers were saying, if you're not going to set up anything, we will. And so being the community that I love and and I'm passionate about, I I decided, well, as an independent contractor, I, I scheduled, I built, I did the job in between. And that was easy enough. So if I could multiply that, it should be easy, right? Right. <laughs> I forgot about all the details to the to the business side of life. But so in uh, passing through Chicago, I ran. I ended up on a layover, and I called a cousin of mine and said, "Hey, I'm here. Can I come hang out until tomorrow when my flight leaves?" And he picked me up. We had a 
conversation and decided we'd start a business together. Um, so we set up a partnership over the course of the first year. It wasn't scaling quite as fast as he had hoped. So um, he ended up leaving the business and passing it back off to me. And he's doing his own successful business now. But from that point, we continued to build and grow. But being a small company and trying to hire uh, and trying to sustain, I didn't necessarily have enough knowledge at the time to do that well. So instead of talking to bankers, I just borrow from our own personal accounts. Um, right. Took us to a place where we were in a little bit of trouble. So when I was approached by a large company, um, very large organization that I thought was very large, they were looking to merge our small business, which we had the resources they needed with their very large corporation, which we then together could partner. And my small on-site ASL business could develop into ASL and spoken language and expand from on-site to, to virtual and do that video remote interpreting. So together, it looked like a great fit, a great merge and a great team, which then could be scalable. Right. And it could help my own personal finances since right. I didn't have that skill set. Hey, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but maybe sure. help us just take a couple steps back with, you know, in the early days, what were the, the problems you were solving for certain companies and how did you get those customers? Was it you making the sales calls and kind of doing everything? What was kind of the, the early journey like? Um, early, it was, we knew where the need was. And it, again, we started with American Sign Language, which was okay. my business. So I knew the resources. I knew who needed this, the resources. And so it was a simple our marketing campaign would be um, a created postcard that we send out that we're now here. It was the major players that we would go to those post-secondary K-12s, book rehab, and some of the major players in our business. And from that, it just kind of trickled out and grew organically. We did, I think the first five years, we the organic growth percentage was something around 12, anywhere. No, it was probably more like 25% every year. Okay. That's fantastic. And so as you were starting to see that growth, at some point you hit your, your capacity, right? And so you had to start bringing some other folks on. So who were some of the initial folks you brought on the, obviously the interpreters and, you know, how did you, maybe I don't want to answer that question for you. (laughs) Who who were you bringing on? We brought on interpreters. Um, Most of them were independent contractors because that was just the, the, the model we went with. It was easier to work with independent contractors and we were the sub, subcontractor with them or they subcontracted with us. Um, uh, family, we hired my daughter who helped okay. with them. She had the skill sets to provide the scheduling lead. Um, she organized our office, organized our structure a little better than it was. We then hired somebody to handle the finances, which was, again, not my skill set. So we had somebody take over the QuickBooks. In the beginning, I helped in both of those roles, um, did the scheduling, provided called for interpreters, did the invoicing when I got to it. Right. Um, Customer service. (laughs) Right. Customer service went by the wayside (laughs) a lot. Um, But the one thing I learned from that was if there was a problem, the quicker I went on site and talked to those folks, the quicker that problem went away. 
and humanity is something everybody understands. So uh, human error happens. So sure. if you just deal with it quickly, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. And I can imagine the juggling and, you know, kind of fast forward a little bit to your starting to have conversations with that, that larger company was the, the financial aspect looking just to bring on more resources or what were you looking for and the growth that a partner potentially could, could give you at the end? What year was Adam? Just so I have some. Um, it was, we started conversations in 2015. They okay. let us move into their building in 2015 it was late 2015 that we talked about merging together they had brought promises of providing great salaries for our interpreters hiring people on um, allowing me the ability to go out and do more um, connection as kayla was talking about doing a little bit more of the lead right i'm working with people on a national level just there was promises of benefits being able to offer more training. And now during this time, we at the same time established a nonprofit organization because, well, one company wasn't enough. Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But the nonprofit provided for the communities we serviced for communication access. The nonprofit provided services. So independent living, supported community living. And in the beginning, it was just for American Simon, so, so deaf hard of hearing, deafblind. And so we were running those at the same time. Okay. Merging with this company, I would step out of the nonprofit being the executive director and I would just run the interpreting. Okay. And so 2015, the discussions, I'm assuming based on where this story ends up, that it ended up falling through or you didn't go through with it or what kind of well, this is uh, this is kind of where Kayla comes in. And okay. so uh, we met Kayla through the merge. We decided to merge in with this company that gave us great promise of growth. It took all of the financial burden off of me and my family, to be really honest. It sure. was my family who suffered the consequences of my wanting to run this business. Um, so it looked good. And we met Kayla through that. And over the course of a year and a half or uh, maybe a year, we got to know her and um, she and I and the CFO worked together. And I'm kind of going to let her take that story. <laughs> okay. Kayla, you're up. <laughs> All right. Well, I was working at a, a very stable company and one of the um, key folks in this corporation, I used to work for him in another business. And anyway, he recruited me from, and I, I said, I'm, I don't know, I'm in a pretty good spot here. I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I want to make this step. So I went and met with him as well as the owner of the company and it looks good. I mean, as, as Sue said, um, great benefits, great salary, stock options, the potential to, I think probably the thing that caught me the most was that I was going to um, be able to take a lead role in building the culture of the company. And for me, that's kind of a, people are, are my game. And so that's it. that sounded really great to me. I didn't want to have any regrets when I was 80, rocking on my porch and, and look back and say, what if? Right. And so I I took a big risk in, in joining this company. So <laughs> I kind of joke about it a little bit, but you know, with the two companies kind of merging together, 
from Sue and the hands up team, it looked to me like I was more on the corporate side of things. And so I, I, I joke, I'm like, I don't think they liked me at first. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were very leery because she was the corporate side. And at that point we started learning uh, a little more about them being on the inside. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, met Sue and the rest of the team. And, you know, for for a year's worth of time, we we were trying to build this using this platform, uh, using the interpreters um, from Sue's Hands Up business. And we were still doing the on-site, but really, really wanting to build the VRI, the video remote interpreting. Okay. Um, and so as Sue mentioned, it grew from just being um, solely American Sign Language to um, including the spoken language, which actually ended up helping to grow the business. We grew the the interpreter base. We grew the customer base. And so actually, while we were with this company, we were able to um, build hands up in the end. Uh, what ended up happening is after what was almost, almost a year to the day that I took my position there, uh, there became some financial issues and we all got laid off. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So just to, I don't mean to, to stop, just to clarify oh, for, for my sake too. So at this point, you guys had officially merged with the other company or you were still kind of a joint venture working together or what was... No, we had we had merged together. So we okay. were running under a, a different name. It was no longer called Hands Up. Okay. Um, and so we were running under a different company name, um, the corporate name. So I think there was always maybe a little bit of that hands up corporate, maybe separation there. I mean, we tried our best to try to join, to smooth that line, but, but still kind of was there. So, so yeah, it was the weirdest layoff I've ever done (laughs) to be quite honest. Sue and I sat down and did a pro con list, just trying to help. I was just trying to help her talk through it. Like, should we move forward or should we stop? Should we go get jobs? What should we do? And so everything pointed to that we should all just go get jobs. Right. Uh-huh. Kind of one of those those pivotal moments. And before we go too much further, Sue, I want to circle back to you because, you know, from a founder of the company that you started now merging with a more of a corporate type of a role. And you know, how was, how was that transition for the year? Did it feel like you were now a part of another company or did it never get to the, just helping, you know, some of our listeners understand from your perspective, what that year was like, and then we'll, we'll come back to the, the transition from it. So the first year, it really still felt like hands up. Okay. Um, and they allowed us to kind of continue to run and gave us some growth goals, uh, which I look back now and go, that was the most unrealistic <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. So at any point, we um, we just ran things like we always had. We okay. just had the opportunity to kind of run a little faster, maybe a little divide and conquer a little easier. That second year when they changed the name, no one on the team was accepting of it, no matter how positive you tried to make it. Sure. They didn't like, um, the corporate came in, it was um, a corporate approach where it was kind of slammed out there. Like this is, it's not open for discussion. It's, it is, it's done. Don't care if you don't like it. 
don't like it, go find another job. My way or the highway. Type exactly. Yeah. Which is not the way Hands Up ever ran. We right. had dialogues. We worked. We really functioned as a team, even with our independent contractors. So it was that 2017, we merged 2016, and then it was 2017 that it started to kind of feel less friendly. Um, right. It had all of the benefits that second year. It had none of the, they, they kind of stole the heart and the passion and the why we came to work every day. Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, that's, you know, when I talk to the entrepreneurs, that's, that's why they did this, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe some point you can cash out and buy, but it sounded like you were still in the middle of that growth journey and you weren't ready to, to, to kind no. of walk away from that piece of it. So I get it. So what, what next now you kind of hit this crossroads where the, the corporate side was struggling a little bit, maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah they struggled. <laughs> well, and it wasn't something we actually were aware of until late in the game. Okay. And it was within the last three months that we saw it coming and began to work with the CFO to plan an exit route. We were very open about that with both the board and the CFO. The owner, I'm not sure, had his open ear to what we were seeing coming so at any point we did get to the day like Kayla said where she uh, she had to send us all quote out the door which in hindsight is that the best thing that happened to you it was the greatest (laughs) thing ever like it was the best thing ever and uh, Kayla did the layoffs that day and um, at the same time offered them an opportunity to come back the next day and work with hands up again I think everybody was happy about that uh, that, that's great. Usually those stories don't always work out uh, well, the, way, the way it's worked so far. It didn't work so well the first six months because when we did leave, we left with a company twice the size of what we brought in. Okay. Um, we had increased our ASL, increased our VRI, and our foreign language, spoken language services were now 40% of our ASL. So we, we walked out with a company that was double the size. And at that point, I'm guessing you didn't have the infrastructure in place. We to had it. no infrastructure. We had <laughs> okay. no money. We had finances. We had no idea how we were going to pay folks. Uh, and there was a, a team of us that didn't take a paycheck for quite a while. Okay. Yeah, which is not an uncommon tale. And, and before we get to kind of the where the the tail heads just kind of curious from your perspective as you went through that journey is there i'm guessing there's probably things you would have done differently but any kind of words of advice for for folks that are starting to scale and potential partnership with uh, a larger company you know is any learnings uh, yeah Uh, make sure you have a solid executive team like i don't care how small your company is if you don't have a well well-rounded perspective of all of that issue you'll make decisions on on just your perspective so you're missing another 75 80 percent of what what other folks might see i truly believe that that's the biggest mistake i made is not having a that core the broader yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense and so with the benefits of joining the company no no pun intended but actual benefits and things you can offer employees when you exited or or split back off did you keep those type of benefits or did you kind of have to take the step back and say hey here's here's what we need to do to keep this thing afloat and 
you know, who's with us. Type we of did um, sat with Kayla. Kayla was probably the right arm between her and Kathy. We sat down to figure out what we could and couldn't do. And no, we couldn't offer anything at that point. We weren't making our, we had nowhere to, to house. We had no way to pay payroll. Um, we had no financial institution who was willing to take a chance on us. Well, no, we did. Um, but they lost faith in us. The first one did. And so they called back their loan and we were sitting in a place that was less than advantageous. Yeah, no. And that, you know, kudos to you. And so just from all those variables, right. The fact that you said, you know what, I still believe in this business. I believe in the product and the service that we're, we're going to push forward. What was kind of the the motivator to to keep it going because like I said, all the variables are saying, maybe this isn't, you should, I, I should go get a job potentially, but obviously you didn't and things worked out. So what was it that kept you going during that? So the original community we supported is the deaf, hearing and deafblind community. And I met with them and the fact that they gathered up in their small little organization right here in Cedar Rapids, they gathered up three thousand dollars and gave it to us oh, as wow. a way of saying please help us please don't leave we need the services three thousand in a in the scheme of what we were looking at may have covered two interpreters for a few weeks yeah way. but the gesture was so heartfelt and then you're looking at spoken language interpreters who now have families and they're dependent on the economically and socially we had a responsibility to those folks that we took into the company or hired while we were there. I couldn't leave those people without any, any direction. Right. And um, then the customers we serve, it felt like we would, it felt like hands up would be leaving them in a lurch, not the corporation. Right. Because they knew hands up. They didn't know the corporation. So all of that really kind of pushed us over the edge to keep going. Got it. And Kayla, I'm coming back to you now since you're joining. You, uh, safe to, I just want to be clear. You did come from the corporate side, but then kind of fell in love with the, the hands up team. And when you hit the crossroads, is that when you, you had to make a decision as well, whether to join the team or as Sue said, go find a job? Absolutely. Yep. That's, I, I also had to hit that crossroad. I think I'm just going to talk a little bit more about what Sue was talking about as far as the reason to move forward. I mean, we would have not only had our interpreters that we were in, had had jobs, they would have been without jobs. We had a whole client base that would have went unserved. We would have had a whole medical, legal, education, corporate sectors of business that would have went unserved as well. And so bless her heart for, you know, taking that plunge. I, I don't think she gives herself enough credit. I don't think people realize the risk that she took, not not just as as a business, but financially, her personal life, all of it. Like she put that all out there on the line to make sure that all all of these people got served and that they were all taken care of. And and that's a huge pressure to have. But it's also very admirable because I don't know if I would have alone wanted to take that step. So anyway, I think it's very, very cool that she did that. And I just don't think that 
a lot of people realize what risk she took. So uh, anyway, I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's and that's. I mean, these are the type of companies that that people root for, right? I mean, there's a, yeah. a, a reason to start a business, and you see the financial windfall at the end, and you can retire and buy an island. But I love the stories that are, are people driven, right? There, there was right. a greater purpose and a, a mission to to what you guys were doing. So I'm happy that we're having this conversation today. I think if we would have had that two and a half, two years ago, it may have <laughs> looked differently. So, you know, I think this might be a good time to to pivot and talk about, all right, you get Kayla, you're now in, Sue, you're in, we're gonna we're gonna work and you know, try to rebuild or build up to support not and not just support the current customer base, future customers, but the po- folks that are, are depending on you now. So what because it wasn't that long ago, right? <laughs> In real right. terms that, that you were there to to where you are now with what 30, 25, 30 plus employees today? Yeah, yeah. We're around 20 employees today. Okay. But we had um, you know, made the decision that we were moving forward. And so it took a village. I mean, it took our uh, interpreters being very I'm wanting to see this succeed as well. When we walked away, I'm not kidding you, everybody walked with us and and started up. And so some of the interpreters, you know, had to realize, okay, well, you might have to we might have to hold this check a little longer. And so worked along the way. And Sue ended up partnering or finding a gentleman that we were able to ramp up um, the video remote interpreting. And so I'll let you talk about that, Sue. We did. And when we did leave, the beauty of the team that I keep referring to sure. is that, and I'm going to kind of bounce a little, but knowing Kayla, she was able to bring some network connections that took us to um, being able to do more, even in the video remote space. She connected us with some of the resources that gave us the financial backing that we needed to move forward. Had I not had that team again, I wouldn't have had those perspectives to be able to leverage um, other network connections. But we did partner. We believe in collaboration. I don't see any any other language service provider as a, as a um, uh, competitor. I see them as an opportunity. So if we can figure out a win-win, if you have customers and we can work for you at, at something that gives us both an opportunity to move and grow, let's do that. So we started working with a gentleman on the East Coast. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't seek the advice of my team. (laughs) And so we did make a bad decision that first year in working that collaboration because it was clearly not a win-win. Okay. Even when we directly presented it back and said, look, here's some options. Right now it's win-lose and we're on the losing side. Could we move it to a win-win or something where maybe we're winning and you're losing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so that was pretty detrimental decision our first year. But after we broke free from that, um, we're now able to, this year, be able to grow in the video remote space, which will allow us to bring on more employees, will allow us to work with independent contractors worldwide and uh, have some of our folks in other countries working with us. It's, it's a great team. Yeah. I think, oh, go ahead, Kayla. I sorry. I was, no, you're fine. I think uh, it was a decision that maybe wasn't the best for the business, but I think it helped to bring us together. It was, I don't think we were sleeping. Uh, we were all so nervous. We didn't have money. We were, it was, it was a really bad space 
about a year ago for us. I mean, financially, we were going to tank. I hope that's not saying it too bluntly. But we had financial institution that Sue had been with for 50 years that, as she mentioned, was not backing up, not believing in us, not willing to help us out. We were able to go to another financial institution um, that did support us and, and we will forever be with them. But we also, one of the things that I'd like to mention, you know, for people who are starting up a business is to look at your local resources. And so one of the beautiful connections that we have is through uh, Kirkwood Community College. That's our local community college. And they have a small business administration um, portion of that. And so we got connected with a gentleman there who was sat down with us and, and helped us start like a business plan. He talked us through like, what are you doing? And 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 we knew this, but you know, sometimes you got to hear it from somebody else that this partnership that we entered into was not, it was financially drowning us. Right. I mean, it was, we were going to, it was going to be over with. So he hooked us up with a marketing resource. And so we were able to get several weeks of or several hours worth of free marketing through the community college. And that for us in our business, the gentleman that we hooked up with will forever be part of our business and helped us to, I mean, he really stopped and asked us very hard questions on where we were going to be and where we, where we were when we started with him and where we're at now are miles apart. Um, the very first meeting that we had with him I think Sue was out of the room more than she was in it. But um, then we also, another thing to think about as far as uh, local resources is Iowa has what they call a 260 e-bond. And I had done this with some, some of the other companies that I had worked with. And it's a new jobs, a new jobs training bond. And so basically what you do is you have to apply for it. And it's all about bringing new jobs to the area, adding new jobs to our company. And so you make a plan of how many new jobs that you want to bring on. Um, you do your bond accordingly. It gets approved. And then you get a lump sum of money to help with that new jobs training. For the, There's a lump sum that comes with the first six weeks of training. And then there's other training dollars that are available after the first six weeks. That bond gets repaid with your Iowa withholding taxes. Yeah, so Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So where you would take that Iowa withholding and pay it to the state of Iowa, you're actually paying it to the local college. And so in essence, it sounds too good to be true, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not doing a stop yet because I think this is fantastic advice. I think, you know, in the world of startups, you know, I've seen it from the VC back companies that all of a sudden get a huge infusion of cash and they just go spend it. Right. We're some have good plans. Others don't. And then there's other opportunities to be very resourceful and take advantage of your local resources, right? I think we may even share the common relationship with, I think, your, your marketing you know, person, yes. Brandon, who we're talking about. Yeah, super, super guy. And then I think just the resources that you have that the states, uh, some states are better than others. And it sounds like Iowa is very friendly to, to small businesses, but there are other resources out there. And the other point I just want to tie back to where you said, 
you know, maybe it was you, Sue, that started or Kayla talking about, you guys knew everything that needed to be done, but sometimes it is good to get that third party perspective to say, hey, maybe you should prioritize this. Or are you thinking about this differently to help kind of put that back into place? Because when you're running 100 miles an hour, which I'm sure you guys both were, it's really hard sometimes to take that stop and say, hey, what? how do we prioritize what we want to do next? Is it you know, an infrastructure? Do we need somebody to help with operations? Are we going to spend it in some direct marketing that it, it takes and it pays off, at least from the, like I said, the success stories I've seen, you know, the entrepreneur, the founders, the small teams as they grow, take that time to make sure that they're not just running 100 miles an hour, but there is some, some planning and prioritization going into this process. Yeah, Brandon, the, the connection we had to help with the marketing, he, when he came in, he brought so much knowledge around the business that he, and he didn't, limit his sharing of knowledge just to marketing, but he actually brought us tools and resources to help run a more solid business, which I'm forever grateful for. I mean, he's, he's given us templates, um, guided us through process to write KPIs and goals for the company, which who would have thought? <laughs> right. Um, just schedule, perform the interpreting and fill it, right? That's, that was the motto. Just that was the whole philosophy. So he, he shared a lot of great experience and knowledge and direction and, and to this day still does. Yeah. And I don't know you guys are probably, he was actually one of my first guests on the podcast. You'll have to go back and listen to the archive. Oh, but, yeah. but yeah, it was really around, he was talking about the product market fit and understanding who your market is and then how do you align with, with what they need and to your point on the infrastructure. And yeah, so Agreed. He had a lot of value and you know, I'm glad that uh, he was able to, to help help you guys as well. So, all right. So what a journey, by the way. So congratulations on, on where you're at today. I know you're, you're not through. And so what, what's next for, for the company and, and you guys as you look you know, forward to next year and beyond? I guess I would start by saying this year alone, we, we had hoped to increase. Uh, we're going to see potentially, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think we're going to come close to doubling what we did last year on, as far as revenue in our business, which is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Right? If we can continue to work as a team and, and if I can continue to let my team lead and do their job, my job is just to teach them the passion and how I would make decisions and then let them make those decisions because if I'm letting them make decisions for the company with um, the concept of how I would approach it, then we can run five times faster. It's a it's a good problem to have, right? <laughs> Easier yeah. said than done, but I think right as you expand and scale, you almost have to, right? It, it, it's further and kind of what I've seen as the companies get larger, so you become more and more out of the day to day and the tactical and become more strategic. And you know, again, that's a it's a good problem to have when you're, you're you're getting to that point. So, so Kayla, from from your perspective, what's what's next from from your side, and you know, what are you looking to get accomplished? First, I'd like to add on to Sue, um, and I I think this is kind of the beauty of it is she allows me as well as the other leadership team members to run this business like it is our own, and I don't think that I don't think that every every owner CEO does that. We don't always agree. And I think that's part of the beauty of, of us as well, is we don't agree and we can sit in a room and we can 
we can have it out and, but still walk away friends. And I think that's, that's a big part of a successful team is that we don't always have to agree. We can talk it out. We might do a vote, but I think that's part of what helps us to be successful. Um, what I see us for this year, we just actually presented at 1 million cups. And one of the things for us that is incredibly important is to, as we grow, I think sometimes we can get caught up in looking at um, the revenues and growing and the financials of it. And, and you can get really caught up in that and sometimes forget about the people that work for you. Right. And for us, it's incredibly important for us as we continue to grow, our culture remains here and that our people feel appreciated. I'm a firm believer that if um, people believe in you or if people know that you believe in them, that they will work incredibly hard for you. And that's just a kind of a mutual respect. But that's one of the things, you know, we're watching the numbers grow and Sue's right. We're, we're going to probably almost double what we did last year as far as revenues go. But in that, we cannot forget about who helped us get there. And so for us, I, I think one of the things I want to, make sure that we're focusing on is making sure that our, our, the people that are working for us are, are still happy working for us. So, so culture is kind of a big deal for us. Yeah, that that's great. And, you know, I was going to transition us to, to start to wrap up because I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to dig into the culture piece of that. Cause I do, you know, I grew up for the most part in the, the corporate world where, you know, culture didn't exist, right? It was, you know, how do I get to my next promotion to the next job? And I think over the last few years, I have a much deeper appreciation for a culture of a company and, you know, what it stands for. And those, you know, we, we give a lot of credit or, you know, focus on the millennials and those are the mission-based companies they're looking for. But, you know, what I think I, I'd want to work with, you know, a company that, that has that sense of purpose. So I just want to circle it back a little bit. When you were a smaller company, obviously, see so you had that passion. Kayla, you've got that passion. But as you start to bring folks on, is this something intentional that you're looking to hire folks that are into the culture? What is there anything specifically that you guys are doing to make sure that, you know, as the team expands, that, you, that the culture continues? I'll start and then I'll pass it off to Kayla. But it for us, I think we've really found that we can meet with five people who might be potential great folks to hire. But there's always that gut who has the passion and the love and the desire to do the job. And those are the people that we look for. And and you know, I we can personality test folks and we can as skill sets can be absolutely incredible. But sometimes it's just a gut feeling of this person really has that sense of, of passion and, and desire for the people. Right. Um, and then from there, Kayla kind of really hit on it, making sure that, and I'm going to let her explain because she does a great job of making sure that our people are connected. And she, she is very passionate about building a culture that everybody feels a part of it. Um, they belong for me just allowing people to, if you have that person that you hire with that passion and desire to do the job, let them go, they'll run with it. As long as they know what, what the company's about, let them just create their own new position. (laughs) Yeah. They've got the why, right? It's not just about the money. There's a a bigger purpose to not. So that's awesome. Kayla, I didn't mean to, I know you're transitioning to you for your 
your thoughts. Oh, that's okay. So it goes back to what I said earlier, right person, right role. Somebody can have skills up the Yazoo, but if if they aren't if they don't fit with our team, then it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work for them or for us. I mean, and that's important. We're when we're bringing somebody into a role, it needs to be right for that for that employee also, not just for us. And so it's a two-way street. I think when we do do the personality testing, we we do colors, we do strengths finder, but we also have everybody on the team meet this person as well and and kind of do a little bit of their own interviewing. And then we're pretty honest with each other as far as like, do you think that will fit? Do you do not think they'll fit? You know, and we might disagree on that. You know, some person might think, yes, they would be another person doesn't. And then we just kind of talk it out. I think probably one of the most beautiful stories we have here is our um, sales and marketing leader. He, his name is Curtis and um, he was fresh out of college and, and he had a, a Spanish major. And anyway, he came to us because he's very passionate about working. He, he wanted to use, use his degree somewhere. He wanted to be involved in the language language um, industry somehow, some way. And so he came to us and I don't know, I'm trying to think how many times I actually met with him and Sue met with him before we actually made a move on him. We knew that we needed to not only use him as an interpreter, but we also wanted to use him in some other aspect of the company. He comes in with no sales and marketing um, experience whatsoever, but he's passionate about it. He's passionate about the business. He's passionate about language. And so he's learning that skill of sales and marketing on the job and killing it, absolutely killing it daily. We do have um, one-on-ones you know, weekly and we, we bounce ideas, but I mean, we're kind of all learning this together, but the things that he has done and how he has grown in this role is crazy. And we took a chance on him, honestly, and he took a chance on us. And so for me, that's a beautiful story. And that those are the type of people that we want to bring on to our staff. Yeah. And I think, I think more companies need to, to follow that. I'm a big believer in getting the right person and the right fit for the company and teaching skills. As long as they've got some, obviously you saw that he had the capability to learn and, and develop. I'm a huge advocate of, of that. You know, get somebody that you can train into the role because you can't teach the other attributes, right? You can't teach the passion. You can't teach those, the, the intangible piece of it. No. And we, he's, he's actually, um, been working with Brandon as well. And Brandon has been a huge mentor for him too. So if you go to our website, uh, he's wrote, he wrote almost all of our content on that website. Okay. Um, uh, Curtis did. And so, I mean, what he brings to the table is, is priceless. Yeah. And I will, I will link that in the, the show notes so people can take it, take a look and include obviously your, your guys's information, LinkedIn and, and the website. Sue, I didn't mean it looks like you had. Well, that's okay. I was going to just add, he was the person who was actually able to take all of the why of what we wanted to share with why we do what we do and harness it into one quote. And I'd, I'd be sad if I didn't share that quote with you. Please. A hello in a language that makes sense lets the whole world experience the sense of belonging. It's just a smile on somebody's face. And he came. Gay. Wow. So. I could think about that for three years and try to come up something. I wouldn't be that clever. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, 
And I, you know, and like I said, I know we're, we're, we're out of time and, you know, I love this story and I intentionally don't go too deep to understand and, you know, uh, congrats, you know, I know the journey's still continuing for you guys, but you know, it's, it's been an inspirational story. And, you know, I think uh, the audience is going to get, you know, quite a bit of insight out of this and, you know, just reinforces that there's very few overnight successes. And if you're in it for the the short, quick hit, this may not be entrepreneurship may not be the the path for you. So, so both of you, Sue Kayla, thank you so much for, for taking the time and sharing your story. And, you know, we may have to do a check-in with you here in, you know, 18 months to two years, if not a little bit sooner to, to, to you know, catch up on your progress. Yeah, we'll have a coffee shop right Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both. Have a, have a great rest of your day. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.